0: 0-2 pitch. Swinging The Philadelphia Phillies are 2008 World Champions of
1: Baseball.
0: Wednesday, December 13th, 2017, welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable, brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight, along with my partner, Jim Chet- Chesko. Chet, what a huge win for the Eagles against the Rams, but of course, a big loss with Carson Wentz going down for the season
2: yeah and such a shame a young man who will likely still end up in the top two or three in terms of mvp voting all diehard eagles fans feel badly for carson and at the same time know that those super bowl dreams while still not out of the question are a lot less likely with number 11 unavailable
0: well we'll get back to the eagles a little bit with uh fred later on and uh, also with kevin riley a little bit later than that even but uh Get the Flyers, let's talk some Flyers. they bounced back nicely. They now hold a four-game winning streak with a big win last night against a real good Toronto Maple Leafs team.
2: Yeah, the Flyers have bounced back. I mean, go figure. They looked so bad for a while there in late November and early December. Sloppy play, unable to hold those third-period leads. And now after a successful West Coast trip and a return home, they look like a different team, and they're once again getting closer to playoff contention.
0: Yeah, funny how that game uh, turns with the momentum going one way or the other. But, hey, before uh, we get on to the next thing, did, did you happen to see the Claude Giroux blind pass last night?
2: I did. That was awesome. Uh, between his legs, facing the opposite way, he somehow got it to Couturier, who you know, got the big goal, and uh, that was a thing of beauty.
0: It sure was. And uh, led the Flyers along the way. Drew's quietly having a real, real good season. But, hey, you had a chance to talk Flyers hockey with Inquire and Daily News Flyers beat writer Sam Carcini. Sam's also the co-author of Lou Nolan's new book, If These Walls Could Talk. By the way, Jed, I did get my signed copy of that book at Carl's Cards this weekend. What did uh, Sam have to say when you caught up with it?
2: Well, first of all, Bill, enjoy the book. I know that you will. I met Sam at one of his and Lou's book signings about six weeks ago, and you and I, of course, had Lou on with us a few weeks back. And so I thought I'd invite Sam, a great guy, by the way, to come on the show to talk not only about the book, but about the state of the Flyers, the many young guys on the team, and that seemingly never-ending quest to find a great goaltender for the orange and black. So if you're ready, uh, you want to hear what Sam has to say about all that? Let's do it. All righty. Happy to be joined here on Philly Press Box Radio by the Flyers beat writer for the Inquirer and Daily News, Sam Carcitti. Sam, welcome.
3: Thanks, Chet. I appreciate you having me tonight.
2: Hey, Sam, we'll talk about the great new book you co-authored with Lou Nolan in a few minutes. But first, how could the Flyers lose 10 games in a row, then go out west last week and play great, coming away with three straight wins? How'd that happen?
3: Yeah, I don't think they were as far as we- far away from winning as it looked during that uh, losing streak. Of course, they lost four games in overtime, one of them in a shootout, so they weren't that far away, but it just seemed like, you know, if something negative could happen in the third period, it happened in a lot of those games. They were outscored 14-2 after the second period during that 10-game skid, and uh, they really tightened up in the third period in Western Canada, and they got great goaltending from brian elliott and the new lines worked and you know all four lines actually had a different player on it and michael raffle you know looked like the second coming of bobby hall he was terrific and he had the game-winning goal in all three games So put it all together and they have a nice little streak going and they have to start winning at home though because as you know yeah you have to not only win home games you have to be dominating at home and they've done well on the road this year but they have a losing record at home and that cannot happen if you want to make the playoffs
2: Sam, the Flyers have lots of first- and second-year guys in the lineup. Konechny, Provrov, Haig, Sanheim, Nolan, Patrick. I guess these growing pains are to be expected.
3: Yeah, I I think so, Chad. That said, I I think they expect it more from some of the guys who have been here for a a year or two. And most noticeably, I think Jordan Wheel and Travis Konechny are guys they really counted on this year, especially Konechny. He was here a full year last year. Wheel only played part of the season here. They have to get those two going. I, I think he kind of expected the growing pains from Sandheim and Haig and Nolan Patrick to a certain extent. But, you know, I, I thought that Kinneckney would be maybe a 20 goal scorer this year. And Wheel, I thought, had a, a decent chance to also reach 20. You know, so far they're not near that pace at all. So they really have to get those two going. And if they do, they're going to be a fun team to watch, you know, in the last two thirds of the season.
2: Now, he's made occasional mistakes, but Ivan Provorov certainly looks to be the real deal. How big an upside
3: does he have? Uh, No question. I think he uh, is going to be an all-star for years to come. He's been the top defenseman of the team for two years now, and he's only 20 years old. But he's the guy they lean on. He's the guy that plays 25 or more minutes a night and uh, really steadies this team. And again, I think he has a a much bigger upside. I I think you're going to see him score more as, as the season goes on. And he gets more confident and to take some chances. He's had a different partner for a lot of the year because of the injury to McDonald. But McDonald is back now, and that that'll steady Ivan's game. And I think he'll take more chances on the offensive side. I think you'll see him produce more offensively as the season goes on. And defensively, he's solid. And uh, you know, he and McDonald are always up against the the number one guys. And uh, you know, they've done a terrific job. There's no question about it. They. They did a great job on McDavid in Edmonton, for instance. And, you know, uh, they're two steady guys. But, again, I think you'll see Ivan be an all-star for years to come, whether it's this year or next year. Uh, He's very close to being uh, recognized as an NHL all-star.
2: There were some fans, myself included, I admit it, who thought that Claude Giroux was maybe on the downside of his career, but he's played very well for the most part this season, has he not?
3: Yeah, no question. He's had the – he's come back from the abdominal surgery. And some guys, you know, recover quickly from it. Jamie Benn is a typical example. I mean, he came back from it and was an MVP. Some guys take longer, and I think we've seen that with both Claude Giroux and with Shane Gossespierre. I think last year they were noticeably slower, just didn't have that burst. And you see the burst back again for both players this year. You know, Giroux has been terrific. You know, he has great chemistry on that top line with Sean Couturier and and he did with Jake Voracek as well. Voracek, of course, has dropped down now to the second line. But, you know, Giroux looks like the Giroux of old. And I'm not saying he's going to make the All-Star team this year, but, he, but you can certainly make, it, make a case for it, you know, along with Voracek and Sean Couturier. I, I don't think the Flyers will be represented by all three, probably only get one. But you can certainly make a case for all three of them to be in Tampa for the All-Star game.
2: As you mentioned, Sam, the Flyers are back home now. Five straight games at the Wells Fargo Center. How important is this homestand?
3: yeah it, it's i don't know if it's a make or break point of their season you know it's a little early in the season to say that but it's close to that the rule of thumb is if you play 50% you win 50% of your games on the road and maybe play 70% at home you're going to be a strong playoff contender well you know they've won their 7-5 and 1 i believe it is on the road so they've done their part on the road. At home, as a, as I mentioned, they're under 500, and that cannot happen. And yeah, they really need a strong home stand to uh, get their mojo back and to show that they're not going to get pushed around at home. You can't go through long losing streaks and uh, expect to be a playoff team, especially when the losing streaks are at home.
2: Let's turn our attention now, Sam, to the terrific book that you and Lou Nolan have written, If These Walls Could Talk, Philadelphia Flyers. As you know, I read it. I enjoyed it. You guys have done several book signings and gotten lots of feedback. What's the reaction been?
3: Yeah, we have gotten great feedback, and I appreciate you mentioning it. appreciate your kind words. And It was uh, a labor of love for both of us. We really enjoyed doing it, and Lou never ran out of stories. It was uh, it was joy for me to write, and I did a similar book with uh, Bill Campbell broadcasting legend in his own right probably about 10 years ago or so and and that, that was just as enjoyable just to hear all the stories and hear the inside stories and and that's what we tried to do we tried to make it a conversational tone where lou is just talking about year after year decade after decade and some of the behind the scenes stuff that happened and some of it surprising and uh you know i think all of it interesting and we always say it's from bernie perron to ivan provrove and every year in between and of course bernie was in their first expansion draft, back when they uh, first started in 1967, and Provo is now a future All-Star and, and probably the heart and soul of this team down the road. So he had stories for those guys, and every year in between. And uh, as I said, it was it was just a joy to to work with Lou and and to put all these stories on paper.
2: Hey, speaking of Bernie, one of the chapters of the book talks about the Flyers' never-ending search for the next Bernie, and that hit home for me because I've been complaining for years about the team's inability to find a great long-term answer in goal. While Brian Elliott's played pretty well this year, we know he's not the solution for the long haul, but there are a number of young prospects in the organization right now, Alex Lyon, Felix Sandstrom, the injured Anthony Stolarz, but probably the most intriguing is this kid Carter Hart, Just 19 years old, and he looks about 15, by the way. His numbers through the weekend out in the Western Hockey League, phenomenal. 13-3-1, a 1.32 goals against average, five shutouts, a save percentage around 96%. Might he be the guy, and how soon can we get him ready?
3: Yeah, I think he will be the guy. That's what they're hoping anyway, and he's probably two years away. I mean, he's playing in the World Juniors later in December, and as you mentioned, he's just tearing it up in the Western Hockey League, and unfortunately because of his age he's not allowed to play on the phantoms now because it would be it would be great to be able to you know see him play now as a 19 year old with the phantoms but he won't be there till next year and i fully expect it'll take him at least one year with the phantoms to get his feet wet and you know the year after that i think he'll be in competition for the job and, and uh I would not be surprised if uh, during the nineteen twenty season, the 2019 and 2020 season, that he is on the Flyers, whether that's as the number one goalie or the backup. But, yeah, he's going to be their goalie of the future. It looks like it now. I mean, he'll, he'll be their guy for the next 10 to 15 years. At least that's their hope. He's the guy they're pointing towards, you know, and you hope that some of these younger guys at that time, like Nolan Patrick, will just be getting in, into his prime, starting his prime, and some of these young guys that are tearing up their, either their collegiate teams or their junior teams, you know, will also come in at the same time and they all progress together. And, because they, you know, they only have a short window because of Giroux and check Those guys will, by that time, will probably be just starting the downside of their career. So, you know, the hope is that it all gels together at the right time. The timing is perfect. And, you know, they make a, a Stanley Cup run or two.
2: By the way, I liked all the little lists that Lou put in the book, uh, you know, the all-chatty team, the tough guy list. Sam, as a reporter, who are some of the Flyers that you've enjoyed talking with the most over the years?
3: Good question. I, I think Danny Briere would be one of the top guys. Uh, he, he comes to mind right away. Brian Boucher, I'm not surprised at all that he's had a lot of success uh, with the network because he was ter- tremendous. I must admit that I covered a lot of baseball for years, and I, I find that the hockey players are a lot more down-to-earth a lot of times the enforcers are great guys to talk to, too, like Jody Schultz and Riley Cote. They have an interesting perspective. And, you know, I could, I could go on and on. A lot of, a lot of good people in the, in the Flyers organization. Claude Giroux has gotten better and better, I think. He, he's a good one to talk to. Sean Couturier has is, is really blossomed. Hmm. blossomed, not only on the ice but as a, a spokesman for the team. He's been terrific. And Luke Shen was a great one, too. Always put things in perspective. I, I like the guys that weren't politically correct <laughs> that spoke the truth because some of the guys, you know, they speak, it's almost like coach speak, if you know what I mean. And you know, they're, they're afraid to offend anybody. And uh Steve Mason was great for us. I mean, so some of the players probably didn't like the fact that he would sometimes throw groups of people like the defense or the boards yeah. under the bus but, uh, but you know, Mason was the guy who threw himself under the bus as well. So, he did, yeah. uh, But he, he was great as well. I think the goalies, for the most part, Brian Elliott is great to talk to now, very analytical and wouldn't be surprised if he got into uh, broadcasting down the road and uh, kidded with him actually today and asked him about that because – a lot of times goalies do go into the broadcasting business, and he says, I don't think I'm good-looking enough to be to be a broadcaster. But, but he's certainly just a great guy to, to talk to. Some of the young guys are real good, too. Uh, Travis Konechny is. Grove was kind of quiet, as is Nolan Patrick, but I think they'll grow into it as they get more confidence. And, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Jake Borchek is always great to talk to as well.
2: All right, I have just two more questions for you, Sam. First one, will the Flyers make the playoffs this spring?
3: I don't think they will before the year started. I, I, I picked them that just missed the playoffs, and I, I'll stick with that. I, I think that, you know, it's a transition year. I don't think making the playoffs is the all, to end all this year for them. I think the most important thing is the young guys especially show some progressions, show some development, and I don't think they're quite ready for that. I hope I'm wrong because it's, you know, a lot more fun to cover a team that's winning. But I, I, th- I think they'll be in the playoff race for most of the year till the very end. But uh, I, I think they'll just fall short. As I said, the most important thing is the, the development of the Travis Sandheims and the Robert Hagues and the Nolan Patricks and Travis Konechny. That, that's what's most important this year.
2: And finally, Sam, you and I are pretty close in age, and I need to know, will we get a third Stanley Cup in our lifetime?
3: I hope so. I hope <laughs> we don't have to live to 100 to see it. But I, I think Hexel has them on the right track. I think they're on the, uh, the upswing. And it's just so much more difficult now, as you know, Chet, than it was back in the mid-'70s. Because, A, you have so much parity. B, there's so many more teams. And C, you have you know a salary cap, which really levels the playing field. You have to get lucky. You have to get bounces. Things have to go your way. That's my thought in 2010. I really thought they were going to win the Cup after the playoffs started because it just seemed like everything was just working their way. Yeah. You know, they After they made the miracle comeback against Boston, like a goalie would get hurt just as another goalie was ready to come back and was healthy. And the timing, it just seemed like everything was going in the Flyers' direction, especially if they made that comeback against Boston. But it wasn't to be. Yeah, I, I I can't predict they're going to win a cup in all certainty, but I, I certainly think they're going to be a strong Stanley Cup contender next year and the years beyond.
2: Great stuff, Sam. And, hey, I want to mention that you and Lou Nolan have three book signings this coming weekend. Friday evening, you're at the Hollywood Cafe in Woodbury Heights from 6.30 to 8.30. Then Saturday, you've got a couple of signings. First at the Barnes & Noble in Deptford from 1 to 3 p.m. And then you're at the Wells Fargo Center Team Store from 4.30 to 6.30 p.m. If these walls could talk, Philadelphia Flyers, great stuff. Be sure to follow Sam Carcitti on Twitter, by the way, at Broad Street Bull. Sam, best of luck with the book. Happy Holidays, and thanks for visiting Philly Pressbox Radio.
3: Same to you, Chet. I really appreciate the time. Boy,
0: good stuff, Chet. Uh, Sam, Sam uh, good good interview, by the way. He he definitely uh, is on to it.
2: Yeah, Sam's a good man. Certainly knows his hockey. He's been covering uh, the team for a long time, so he's got his finger on the pulse. And Great to meet him and great to talk to him, and I'm sure we'll have him back on the show again in the spring.
0: Yeah, interesting that uh, he thinks the Flyers are just a little bit on the outside, and, and he thought it from the beginning. I think everybody – Might have had a little higher hopes for them uh, coming into the season.
2: Yeah, right now I just checked the standings. They are four points out of that final wild card spot in the Eastern Conference. So they are right now on the outside looking in. But, you know, having one four straight, they're making it a little more interesting. And there's still a long way to go. There's still 50 or
0: 52 games left, so it's still quite early. Plenty of time, plenty of time. And interesting about, uh, of course, it's been pretty obvious, but buried is the the Drew Voracek-Katoria line playing so well, and they're not going to the All-Star game, most likely, or only one.
2: Yeah, and as we mentioned, Brian Elliott has been playing well in goal. I'd like to see Alex Lyon get in there, you know, at one or two points while he's up here. And I'm really excited about that kid, Carter Hart, that we discussed. 19 years old and tearing up the Western Hockey League, so... Uh, Sam said he's two years away, but, man, he's going to be good, I think.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds like it. You know, in following, and we've been posting, uh, Bill Meltzer's, uh hockey buzz, Flyers hockey buzz, and uh, Bill's certainly been talking him up as well. Uh, so if those guys are both on board, then you know the guy's pretty good. You know it.
2: Hey, Bill, let's take a break now and allow me to tell you about the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Always a fun time at the Irish Rover. Great dinners. They have steak, chicken, ribs, you name it. Seven or eight varieties of burgers, awesome sandwiches and wraps, not to mention superb gourmet wings. They have a new express lunch menu as well. This Saturday night, the band Karma Train is at the Rover. Sunday, you can watch Nick Foles and the Eagles crush the Giants on the Rover's many big TVs. Always something fun going on at the Rover. It's the Irish Rover Station House on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorne, and on the web at irishroverstationhouse.com. And right now, we're going to send this little clip out to all the worried Birds fans in our listening audience.
1: Don't stop.
0: I'm saying, Bill? I do know exactly what you're saying, and there's a pretty good chance we're going to come back to that before we're through tonight, okay? You know it. I'm ready. All right. Well, hey, Chad, uh, Chad let's welcome back Fred Hugo, uh, but something a little different tonight with Fred. We're going to talk uh, quick Eagles followed by Sixers <clears throat> uh, and and tanking games. Fred, welcome back. <laughs>
1: <coughs> hey, what's going on, <laughs>
0: hey
2: Fred all right uh we'll talk Sixers don't worry but it's a big topic around here around Eagles Nation this week Fred the Wentz injury so I'm going to get right to the point can the Eagles Fred still win two of their final three games to earn the top spot in the NFC and can they have some postseason success with Nick Foles in their quarterback spot rather than Carson Wentz
1: I think you have to be a pessimistic idiot to think that they don't have a shot. <laughs> you have to be like, of course they have a shot. Like, why wouldn't they? And Nick Foles, it's not like he's he's uh, Aaron Murray or Mike McMahon, you know. You're obviously losing <laughs> yes. the magician of your offense, and, and I understand how great of a quarterback Carson Wentz is. But, you know, you have other players on the team as well, and you know it, the defense, as long as it doesn't play like it did against the Rams, if we get back to the form we we seen earlier in the year. Uh, and then considering the opponents that we have in the NFC now, I mean, there's absolutely no reason why you can't win two out of three, which is home field through the playoffs. And now you got a bye week, and then you got home field at the link. I, I don't, I can see where our chances are significantly lower, but you can't just be like people are going nuts. The season's over. It's it's done. And I I I just I just can't stand that outlook. It it's it's really outrageous.
0: Amen. Well, Fred, you uh following the game a little bit. You were being a little rough on that Doug Peterson during the game and then you came out uh, all smiles in the end. What's up with that?
1: I told you before, Bill, I when he's when he doesn't run the ball and when he starts to go dip the other way, I'm I'm going to I'm going to critique and then see what I how I think, but in the end, I don't. I I think he's done a good job. I really liked how he handled the final two minutes, which which he he bled the clock. In my opinion, perfectly. Um, he threw on third down like like he should have. He ran the ball. He made them use their timeouts, and I gave him credit there. You know, um, I, I thought they were they were not running the ball. I know part of that has to do with with Wisniewski. Most of it has to do with Wisniewski out um but you still in my opinion just can't abandon it which I which I thought he he was doing so that's the only 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 gripe I, I had with him and then when he when he does something good i'm i'm all on board for that too so but overall i'm i'm happy with though he's probably if they win two of the next three unless they go 0 for 3 here and get blown out in every all three games um he's he's going to win coach of the year no no doubt about it well, hey, I guess guys. my only
0: comment, Fred, we get, we get, we're getting all caught up in this ratio thing. You know, We watched Ben Roethlisberger throw 66 times on Sunday night to win a football game. Um, sometimes if, if you load the box, you throw the ball. If you empty the box, you run the ball. It, it's not all about ratios. It's about wins. And uh, I think people are getting too caught up in all this stat stuff, and uh, it's about winning games.
1: You know what? You're right there, and I get caught up in the ratio thing myself. But I think it's just the fear of of you just becoming predictable, and and you just know that you're going to throw every down, and then they're teeing off on you. And then when it when the game's not out of hand, you know, it's like why not keep sprinkling in that run, especially when you're having success with it. Um, it just, you know, people people I I get what you're saying. Though sometimes it does call for to throw but when you get consistently week after week throwing too too much rather than than running you don't have to have a 50 50 bounce it's never going to be 50 50 if you were, if he was running the ball 60 percent of the 75 percent of the time that'd be a problem too but to me you want to be in that 60 40 area if you can and it, it's i think proven that when they do do that they they typically win the game
2: And, uh, guys, regarding the whole next man up thing, I really liked what Coach Doug Peterson had to say about it at his day-after news conference. I think we had that cut here. Uh, Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, Doug on the next man up. We overcame a Pro Bowl left tackle. We overcame our middle linebacker. We've overcome a running back. We've overcome a core special teams player this year, our kicker this year. This is no no different. You know, yeah, he is the quarterback of our, of our football team. But at the same time, it's, it's been the next man up mentality, and, and that's, that's how we approach it this week.
0: And that's what you have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. It doesn't matter. They've been doing it all season. So has everybody else. You know, Aaron Rodgers been out all season. Sean Lee's out. Elliott's out.
1: Um, Tannehill's out. Beckham's out. You know, that, that's all you can do. I mean, that's exactly, next man up has to be the mentality, what, what what other way do you go about it, like, do you sulk and say, oh, what are we going to do without Carson, I mean, it's almost a disservice to the rest of the team to even act like it's over, you know what I mean, like, these, these other guys are playing their hearts out every week, too, and the way Doug has handled it all season, as well as that press conference there, there was actually a clip where he puts it on himself. He's like, I- I'm going to have to leave this team more than ever. If anything, it falls on my shoulders right now more than it ever could have. And I-, I love how um, you could tell this year he's m- more and more comfortable with the media and everything, and he's starting to just speak himself. And it, it was cool to hear him say that. I'm- I- 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 his press conference was great the way he handled it.
2: Well, guys, we're going to switch gears and talk a little 76ers. But, uh, Bill, what specific topic did you want to bring up about the Sixers?
0: <laughs> well, you know, Chet, Fred, I I have a little problem when the big boys don't show up to play play games. You know what I mean? You uh, you 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 dogged one because you thought you had a better chance to win the second. Then all of a sudden you couldn't play the second, and now two you go two nights where you can't play because you got a stiff back, and then you come back and score 28 points and almost hang a triple double two nights later. Something stinks to me. Fred, tell him. Go ahead.
1: Well, you're, gonna, you're not going to fully agree with me either, Chess, Jim, because the, I, I told Bill before, I, I think the whole load management thing is a, is a bunch of bull and, and that there's no proven science behind it. I think he should have played both games, and I think it's the Sixers management holding him back. He was even um, asked, and he's like, well, they told me if I'm not 100%. And it was almost he was like sarcastically giving a shot at them, like if I'm not 100%, then I guess I can't go type of thing. But back to the, what we were going back and forth that day, if you are going to pick one or the other, matchup-wise, you had a better shot at beating the Cavs without Embiid and having him play against New Orleans as opposed to having him play against the Cavaliers and not have him play against New Orleans because they had absolutely no shot against the Pelicans with Davis and, and Cousins. Um, in my opinion, it actually ended up I was almost going to be eating my words because as I watched that game, they, they were in it. So they ended up being in both. Um, of course, if he plays both games, they they have a better shot at winning. But if you're if you were going to pick one or the other, I, I agreed with with their decision. But I hate the thing altogether, if, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, I think we can agree on that. We would love to see him play every single game. We'd love to see him play back, back-to-backs, and we know that he wants to do that. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we don't get to make that to the decision. It's up to the Sixers' management, and granted, their medical staff hasn't always been top-notch in terms of making decisions, but if they decide that, you know, it would be better to play him against New Orleans rather than Cleveland, that's up to them. We can't tell them, yeah, play against Cleveland, don't play against New Orleans. I think what they have learned at least is they're going to play them at home rather than away if they have a back-to-back in two different cities, one of them being Philadelphia. But this was a case where it was two games on the road, and I guess, like Fred said, they just thought it was, you know, more of a shot of them beating New Orleans with and in the lineup. And then, of course, he ended up with a stiff back that day and couldn't play as it turned out. But he wants to play, and here's the the thing that most uh, resonates with me, Bill, They are no longer tanking games at all. There is no such thing anymore as a tank. And, you know, that's just the truth of the matter. The only thing is, Bill, apparently...
1: You can't handle the truth.
2: (laughs) Exactly.
1: Uh,
0: Well, you know, let's say we will disagree to that, Mr. Chesko, because when you don't put your best team on the field, court, wherever... You are not playing to win the game. That's all I can say, Herm. But uh, (laughs) let's just look at it this way, Jet. Let's just say out of the sky falls Fletcher Cox isn't playing this week against the Giants because he's played too much this year, and we want want him to play against the Raiders.
2: Come on, man. That's not fair. I mean, it's load management. They feel with Embiid's injury, he can't play back-to-backs. Yeah, he may disagree, but their medical staff, their management says no. And so it's their decision, it's their call, and we can't do anything about it. We may not like it, but that's just the way it is. They feel that for the long haul, it's better if he does not play back-to-backs yet. I think that's going to change before this season is over. I think all of us, you know, hope that's the case. I think one thing the three of us can agree on is, yeah, we want to see him play, and we do want to see – him put up the kind of numbers that he does when he does play, but we can't do anything about it, and it's just the way it is, but there is no more tanking, Bill.
0: Management. It's a, it's a management tank. It's not the players. It's the management tanking. Still,
1: well, why do they disagree? T- What would be the benefit in tanking, Bill? Well, no, they're not. They're tanking trying to win. I'm, what I'm saying
0: is when you don't put your well, best that's the player definition of on, tanking. The, on the court... You don't put your best team on the court against the best team in the league or top couple. You know, even at your best, your chances of winning that game are are difficult. When he's not playing, you know you have no chance. So you basically go through the motions and go on to the next game.
1: So you're you're saying play on play on the net, but if you it's the same exact argument. If you play them Sunday, you're you're just saying play on both games, correct? Yeah, Well, maybe he doesn't
0: play oh, 40, right. we'll 40 minutes every game.
1: You play him, but but if but if they, if they would have played him against the Cavs and sat him against the Pelicans, you would have been pissed at that too, right? Right, play the game. Okay, then we agree on that. We all do. I think we're 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 more is is if you're going to pick, we're I think me and Chet have just accepted. That there's not what we could do. They're going to do it this way, and and we right. just looked at it as all right, might as well pick the game you definitely are going to lose, and that would have been against the Pelicans. Well, you guys accept big. losing.
0: I don't accept losing. If I'm watching the game, <laughs> oh, I want them man. to win. You guys are but okay we all with want to losing.
1: Win. I crush uh, them on Twitter every minute I can about that load management. You know I'm against that.
0: <laughs> uh, I I hear you. Well, hey, Fred why don't uh we've got our man kevin riley coming on so why don't if you would why don't you hang on or or give us a yell back say when we're through about seven forty five with kevin and we'll get back and we'll make our picks
1: i, I could have if, if if you can hang i'll hang and listen on the phone because i'm out and about and then i can hear here to kevin
0: all right sounds, sounds good. good let's bring kevin on with us all right well hey kevin welcome back uh Let's talk about your book launch. Tell us how it's going. How sales are going. Of course, let's talk some eagles. And uh, how are you doing with all this? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Um, I'm absolutely so surprised if if I keep selling books like the way I'm selling books. I'm going to go back to Villanova and ask that English teacher to change my grade. <laughs>
2: Kevin, I've I've seen some of the posts on Facebook. We know Action News did a little blurb about you and the book, so I'm pretty sure the book is a hit. What kind of feedback are you getting? What are people saying about it?
1: It it really, you know, I'm
0: I'm trying to be, uh, you know, cautious here because so many of the people that are reading the book have gotten it because they know of me or they know of the Eagles, and so there's a general interest there. The next couple of weeks as this thing branches out, I'm going to be doing a book signing in Washington and then I go out to uh, Chicago to do one. We'll see how the uh, the people outside of the uh, Philadelphia arena, you know, handle the book. But so far it's, it's been just, just fantastic. People like the rhythm of the book and they're able to identify with a lot of things that, uh, you know, that I mentioned in the book, whether it be the Eagles or Saladiano or Villanova or going through the traumatic, you know, operation that I went through. So, so far and, it's been a big Christmas present. You know, I'm selling them in multiples. I couldn't uh, have brought this book out at a better time with the Eagles 11-2 and two and Christmas. So all things on mm-hmm. that front are good. Fantastic. Well, Now, you've done a couple, uh, I guess, speaking engagement, book signings combined type things. How has that, how that gone, and how has the live attendance well, been to those? Very good. I just went uh, the big launch down at my high school, Salaziana High School in Wilmington, Delaware, and we had over 300 people there. And uh, I gave a little talk, and we did a little interview, and then we interviewed the crowd, which was really interesting. And boy, what a thrill to go back to your your high school and uh, be able to, uh, you know, come back as an author and 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 uh, be on stage and. And see the people out there that come out to see. You. I was just—I was in my glory that night, to tell you the truth. Well, you're a legend in anyway, Kevin. I don't know <laughs> about that, but uh, I did set the record for uh, what they call jug, which is detention, Sophomore year, so maybe. <laughs> <I'll let> you-
2: <laughs> Kevin, I guess one word to describe the book—if you had to do it in one word—would be inspiring. Is that what you're hearing? That a lot of people are getting inspired when they, you know, read your story.
0: Well, Chetville, that's why I wrote it. You know, I mean, that's so many people asking me after speaking engagements. You have a book they want to pass it on to, you know, uh, one of their sons or grandsons or granddaughters or there's somebody that is hurting out there. And I've been really fortunate uh, to experience even some of the difficulties I have because I believe they always make you stronger. And uh, if I could share with people and let them know that, you know, there's light at the end of the tunnel, you know, I I have a saying on the back of these T-shirts I give out: tough times don't last, tough people do. If you hang in there, you know you'll go up through the ups and downs and lights, the goods and the bad, and it's never going to be bad forever, and it's never going to be good forever. So, you know, you 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 uh, celebrate the good times and the bad times. You just grind it out, you know, but, uh, button your chin strap and try to get through it. And most of the time, you're you're stronger and better for it mentally and physically. So. That's why I wrote the book. Faith, family, friends, and fortitude were the key ingredients that I found to a successful life and the journey that we take. Hey, Kevin, one of the most inspiring, well, there were many inspiring uh, chapters in your book, but one that really got me was the Walter Reed uh, work that you did down there and. the uh, Uh, For the the listeners, you might could could go over that real briefly, but uh, have you talked to them about going down with your book and uh, doing some stuff down there? That's interesting you asked. Yes, we have. We'll be going down there in February again, and and I've already got a couple books out to some of the nurses and doctors, so they can be apprised because I haven't been down there in over a year just due to some of the, uh, you know, yeah, uh, some, of, some of the things that I've been doing, and so I, I'm anxious to get back down there. But my initial reaction, uh, Governor Carper, who's now Senator Carper from Delaware, was a Navy vet, and he asked me if I would get down and, uh, and visit with them one time. And I took my co-author, John Riley, with me, and I didn't know what to expect. I'll tell you what I didn't expect. I didn't expect to see women in the crowd. We had about 12 people in the rehab facility. And uh, they were all amputees, you know, amazing. I'd never been with that many amputees in one place. And uh, usually it's a one-on-one situation. So it was unique for me. And I don't know why. I didn't think there would be women there. The IEDs that most of them had suffered through, uh, you know, are very indiscriminate. But during the, you know, I got with the 12 people, within minutes, there was a, a bonding there that was just absolutely unique. And it took me a while to process it on the way home from Walter Reed, but John kind of put it in the right way. He said there you were with 30 years experience as an amputee and these people were anywhere from four weeks to eight months and they wanted to bleed you of information. And they immediately, you know, bonded with you because you are one of them now or they're one of you. And he, what he witnessed it from, um, you know, the standpoint of a spectator and that's why I let him kind of write that chapter from that, his perspective, and then I went back a few more times, and I' will tell you, you'd be proud of our veterans. It's a little They're a lot different because of their culture than me going into a hospital and, and uh, counseling somebody who's lost a leg or an arm you know to uh, cancer or whatever, because they're just in that culture of getting back on the horse. And uh, when I meet with them, they wanted to know, how, what do I do next? What am I capable of doing? You know, what what do I set my goals? And I find out, guys, that, you know, most people that go through a traumatic sickness or injury, um, through no fault of the family and friends around them and even some of the medical people, they tend to set the bar low for people out of empathy, out of love. And they're really doing them a disservice. And I just try to tell people like the, the veterans, don't change your goals from before whatever your goals were before within realistic, I'm not talking about being unrealistic, but let yourself go into this new world, the way you are in your new condition and find out what you are capable of doing and push the envelope a little bit. And maybe you'll end up, you know, better with more success than you would if you listened to all the people setting these, you know, they'll bar low for you. Um, I can remember, to give you an example, there was a captain. He was a Marine, and he had missing both legs from below the knee. And, gosh, there was nothing wrong with his upper body. He was working really hard, and he was getting ready to be released. And I was uh, counseling him on how to write a resume and, and where he should go for you know uh, employment opportunities. And I said, what else do you need? He said, nothing else, he said, but I got I to gotta handle something at home. And I said, what's that? He said, ah, oh, the neighbors built a ramp for me. Uh, expecting that I would have a wheelchair and I don't want to ramp outside my house going hmm. there. I want to be able to walk up the steps to my house and you know how I can't get mad at them. They were doing it for all the right reasons. And that's the example I give you with people with good intentions in mind, setting the, the, the bar low for these people that are coming off of catastrophic, you know, situations. And that's what I really hoped I could do in my book. And and I want one step further in the book, as you know, I mentioned, uh, you know, the traumatic uh, mental uh, anguish that I suffered and depression after my wife left, left me after 20 years of marriage. And there's more people that can probably, you know, associate with that than they could from losing limbs. And uh, so, you know, that was something that I had to think about that I want to lay myself out there. And I said, why not? You know, if I could help some people, if it's only a couple people that read the book that I could help, then, then uh, that would be, uh, you know, worthwhile for me. Well, Kevin, in, you know, there's probably not much of a place like an athletic locker room where where you are bonded as a team and bonded as friends for life kind of thing. And uh, your experience, one of your former Eagle teammates was probably with you for the, uh, what I don't even know what word to use, the most amazing moment of your life uh, up there at the hospital, and that was John Bunning. Um You and John obviously have an extremely good friendship. Oh, he's like a brother to me. I've been blessed, guys, with about six different brothers, and, you know, football likes to life. And you're exactly right about the locker room. You could grow up to be, you know, vice president of the United States, and they would treat you the same way that they treated you back in that locker room. And that is a a healthy situation, I think. And, And you guys know from seeing me, and the guys up at the Vermeil Classic, that that's exactly what goes on, the kidding that goes on and, and that sort of thing. But John was brought in that day. He was coming to New York to visit me, and the rehab people and the nurses knew that I was going to be shocked when I took this huge bandage off of my left side because I was missing my arm, my shoulder, and four ribs. And uh, they wanted to have somebody with me that I trusted in somebody that you know, that I was you know, a brother with to be able to be with me during that, that moment. Uh, and um, we went into, I remember, i never forget, I, I was uh, trying to get a shower that day because I hadn't had a shower since intense, since I got, I got operated on. And they said, no, you got to wait. Uh, what am I waiting for? Well, they had a reason. They wanted to make sure John was there when that bandage came off. And I'll never hmm. forget as much as they tried to coach him on what it was going to be like. They tried to, you know, tell him it's going to be, not going to be pretty and they wanted to to, uh, prepare him for it as much as they tried you just really couldn't and when we took that last piece of adhesive tape off and John took the what was like looked like the shoulder bandage was so big off I'm looking in the mirror and it wasn't what I saw it was what I didn't see it looked like somebody played a trick and you removed the upper left hand side of my body and I turned around with eyeballs as big as eggs and John's were just as big because he couldn't hide his amazement. And I looked at him and he looked at me and he said, well, at least you got two good knees. And we both laughed. And I said, if we didn't (laughs) laugh, we would have cried. Uh, But, you know, I needed that little piece of humor. I was very fortunate in not having any knee injuries through 16 years of playing football. And uh, that's how things started. And, you know, just to take you three months later, I didn't put this in the book, but, uh, it was Christmas time, and I was doing my radio show with Bill Berge, my partner, down at Stanley's Tavern, and we had Frank LaMaster on as a uh, as a guest. And uh, they brought me a Christmas present, and they wanted me to open it up at the end of the uh, uh, at the end of the program. And we had a crowd of a, about a hundred people in the place, and so I opened it up, and you know what it was? It was that late night TV special, The Clapper, <laughs> and you know, it was just everybody just. Broke out laughing, and I said to Bertie, now, how am I supposed to use this? And he grabbed my right hand, and he smacked me in the face with my own hand. He said, like that, and they laughed (laughs) again. It was was things like that that really brought me down to earth and made me think things are, you know, I'm fortunate. I'm really fortunate to have friends like that that can laugh with me and be there in time of need. And, you know, uh, I wanted to share my experiences with people out there just to let them know that, You know, you have your ups and downs in life, and it's never going to be as bad as you think, and it's never going to be as good as you think. And that was the basis for it. And I think I'm starting to get through to some people who, you know, they could read all 33 chapters of the book, but there's one where there's two of them. It was amazing. I had to start smiling when you said there's one chapter in the book. Everybody has their favorite chapter because it hits them in a Mm. different way. And so from that, I'm really feeling fulfilled for getting this book out. As a matter of fact, I could kick myself. for not doing it a little earlier.
2: And it's those kind of great stories that led you to the title, Tackling Life, How Faith, Family, Friends, and Fortitude Kept a Linebacker in the Game. Great stuff, Kevin Riley. Hey, in our last couple of minutes, uh, I just want to ask you about the current Eagles. How are you feeling about the team now, given the unfortunate injury to Carson Wentz this week?
0: Uh, You know, this is Philadelphia, you know. When do you go 11-2, and two, win a game on the road against a great team in a drama-filled, you know, 60 minutes of football, and you clinch the NFC championship, you secure a spot in the playoffs, and after you turn the game off, you're depressed? Only in Philly could that happen. And that's because we lost our starting quarterback. But I'll tell you something. Um, that it, it, At the Vermeil tournament, you know Doug Peterson was there. And he got there right, uh, right before the, the gun started. And I went out in the parking lot and met him and took him into the locker room to make sure he didn't get waylaid by autograph seekers so we could get him on a golf cart. And I said to him, so what was the most uh, interesting thing that you found out through the five weeks of OTAs? What, what surprised you? He didn't hesitate. He said, my two quarterbacks. I said, you're two hmm. quarterbacks? He said, yeah. He said, these guys are so smart. Um, it's like being in a, uh, a quarterback uh, seminar. He said that both of them um, are just so – they pick things up so quickly and they add stuff and they go back and forth. And he said it's just incredible how smart the quarterbacks are. And he said, I just feel that we have maybe the best or at least one of the best backup quarterbacks in the league. I wouldn't hesitate to put Nick Foles in the game and know that he could win it for me. And a lot of times, you know, you worry about can we just hold the fort and maybe the defense can score and maybe we'll get lucky and win. That's not how he felt about it. And so I think that some of that has come to fruition here. And, boy, this could be a great story, guys. If we can win two out of the next three, and I think we can, get a bye, get home field advantage, you got to win three football games to win the Super Bowl. And that's not like, uh, you know, crazy to think of. With the defense we got and the offense that's come along from the running game on, so it could be an unbelievable rocky story uh, where we get our first Super Bowl, and that's what I'm hoping for. I really have a lot of confidence in Nick Foles. I think he can do the job if our offensive line can protect him. One thing he doesn't do. You think they'll change the
2: game plan much? Will will they run more? Will they, you know, throw more to the tight end? Uh, What are they going to do to change things up a
0: little? I don't think they'll change it a lot but i do think that there'll be more three-step drops because nick is not the you know quickest guy back in the pocket and one of the things that i was really amazed with against the rams was carson wentz was in a pocket about the size of a phone booth a couple times when he threw the football not bothered i mean not you know not worried about getting hit and uh i just think that for a second year guy that is just so commendable and so mature i mean he's he has, uh, he has just matured so quickly as a quarterback that it's hard to believe that you know, he's only two years in this game. But that being said, um, I just really believe that Nick's got the arm. You saw some of that. I think that one pass play where he overthrew Jeffries in the end zone was just a timing situation. And the guy hasn't played with the first-team offense since August. So let's give him this week in practice, get a couple games under his belt, I think we're going to be okay. Our defense has got to play better. But I'll tell you, the last two weeks, Russell Wilson is unbelievable. And this guy, Gurley, holy mackerel. Uh, Those are two really good football players that we came up against. And I don't think everybody said, well, our defense slipped a little bit. Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe we just came up up against two really, really good football players. You bet. Well, Kevin, as we close it out, what do you got lined up for your – for your signings, I know you got a few things going. Then, uh, how can the fans get a hold of the book? Well, I got a signing. I got a, a big signing uh, this Sunday uh, in in uh, uh, you know in concert with the Eagles game at Stanley's Tavern, a place where I did broadcasting for about twenty years with Fergie and Bill's going to come down and help me with it. And then uh, the following Wednesday, I'll be at Kid Chalene's in Wilmington downtown uh, doing some signings and. So we're really looking forward to that. And if anybody looks to, want to get a hold of the book, all they've got to do is go on Amazon.com Books and type in Kevin Riley or Tackling for Life, and the book will come up. It's only $19. Great Christmas present. I've been selling them in multiples and, and signing them. Uh, you won't be able to sign them if you get them from Amazon, but I think you'll really enjoy the book. So if you're looking for something for that football fan that has everything, I'm sure this book would be something they would enjoy you bet all right kevin. Be best, well, kevin. good luck thanks for coming by and uh keep selling them books if we can help you you know we're here to do that as well all right guys go eagles go birds yes thanks kevin all right chet we got fred back with us right we've got some picks to make before we uh wrap that segment up and uh how did we do last week
2: well, let's see. Fred pulled that switcheroo the day after our show, changing his Thursday night pick from the Saints to the Falcons, and he happened to get it right. And frankly, guys, going forward, I think the picks we make on the show should be the ones that are etched in stone in terms of our little <laughs> competition. That's just me. <laughs> okay. uh, you, you can change them in the pick'em leagues, you know, but that's fine, but not in this little contest. So all if you're right, okay with right. that, guys... No more changes after the show. Anyway, yes, Fred went three and one thanks to that. You, Bill, and I were both two and two, so it is now Bill clinging to a one-game lead at thirty and sixteen. Fred is one game back, and I am three off the pace.
0: Oh boy! All right. Well, we—I've added a couple games to this week to make it even a little bit harder for us. So here we go. We got Arizona at Washington. Arizona minus four and a half. And by the way, Chet, nobody did care about Washington last week. They got beat again. Yeah, Fred.
1: Um, you say I think it's Washington minus four and a half.
0: Yes, Washington. Minus uh, four and a half.
1: Uh, is it? I've got Arizona four and a half. But go ahead. Uh, oh, okay. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm going Skins here. I think the Skins Skins will take this one. They're gonna get a win here.
2: Yeah, it's it's in Washington, and uh, the Redskins, believe it or not, are three and zero against the AFC West this year. Go figure. Make it four and zero. Skins win this one. NFC West, you know that what? Be It's NFC funny
0: because I'm thinking you guys are both going to go Arizona in this game. I really did. I'm, i was going to go Redskins, so I'll stick with it. But uh, you surprising me. Here we go. Dallas at Oakland. Dallas minus three. Fred, you took Washington, right? Redskins. Okay, all Washington.
1: Uh- Dallas minus three. Are they home or away?
0: Dallas
2: at, at Oakland.
1: Oakland.
0: Oakland Dallas minus at three.
1: Oakland. I'm going to take the Raiders. I'm going to go with the Raiders. Uh, Dallas played slow. They almost lost to the Giants for the fourth quarter last week. Um, I, I just I, I don't like their team, and I, I just don't think they're going to go without Zeke. So, uh, Raiders.
2: Well, it kills me to pick the Cowboys again, but I have to do it. Yep, Cowboys win it.
0: Yeah, I'm taking Dallas too, and I'm not sure why because I can't stand them. But I'm going Dallas Nick. as well. Okay, throw in games. Tough game too. Rams at Seattle. Seattle minus two.
1: Ah, Seattle minus two at home. They've lost a bunch at home besides the Eagles this this year. That is a tough game. Rams coming off the loss. I I just think Russell Wilson's gonna. He's he's playing. He's probably gonna win the MVP. Um, man, maybe Brady, but. I'm going to go uh, Seahawks.
2: I know Seattle will be a popular pick here, but the Rams showed me something in that crazy game against the Eagles. I'm going to pick the L.A. Rams to knock off the Seahawks.
0: Ooh, okay. I'm going Seattle, and the only reason I'm going Seattle is because they're home. I think this is going to be a heck of a football game. I'm going Seattle. Yep. All right, we're, we're going to finally switch over to the AFC just because it's too good of a game to pass up. New England at Pittsburgh, New England minus three.
1: I'm gonna I'm gonna take the Steelers here. I, I think they defensively didn't play well last week. They let the Ravens get on them, and um, the Patriots struggled this week. Uh, it's gonna be a, a good game, but I'm, I'm gonna take the uh, Steelers to knock off the, the Patriots.
2: Third straight road game for New England, but uh, the Patriots are coming off that shocking loss down in Miami, and they'll be angry. Plus, the Patriots have beaten the Steelers the last four times they've played. And that Brady fella has some impressive numbers against Pittsburgh. So even though it's at Heinz Field, I'm taking New England.
0: Well, everything says that this should be Steelers, uh, except number 12 still plays for New England. Uh, I never bet against Roethlisberger, never bet against Brady, but they're playing each other. I'm going Brady to win for New England. That brings us to the Eagles and the stinking Giants, just in case I haven't said that since last Wednesday. Eagles hmm. seven
1: and a half. I myself will be making my way up to the Meadowlands with my Nick Foles jersey, nice. and the Eagles will win in the Meadowlands because the Giants stink, and then they got that safety out. Collins is out too, so uh, yeah, the, the Eagles, even if they struggled for some terribly, they still are going to beat the Giants.
2: Come on. Really guys, Nick Foles will show everyone that he is better than the average backup quarterback. Eagles win 34 to 17.
0: Eagles are going to win because the Giants stink. If I haven't said that any time,
2: 37,
0: 13 Eagles. There it is. All right. All right. Well, Fred, thanks for hanging in there with us. And, uh, we had to rearrange a little few things, but, uh, We'll see you next week, and we'll talk some more. We'll get a little more Sixers talk in. We got waylaid a little bit.
1: All right, sounds good. Great show as always. See you next week.
0: Uh, All right, thanks. Hey, Chet, we were going to do our random thoughts tonight, but we're running out of time, so we're not going to do that. So I I had five of them. I had four and kind of a bonus one. I'm going to throw the bonus one out here just for fun for you.
2: All Hmm. right, you
0: ready for just one random thought? I guess. I guess. All right. The voice you want to hear at night, Tom Petty or Kate Beckinsale? (laughs) Well, it depends what kind of
2: uh, night we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to see if I
0: could catch you off guard with that one. It's a great question,
2: and I would have to say Kate Beckinsale because I know know what goes with that voice, and that's her beautiful face (laughs) and her beautiful accent.
0: Uh, and and not Tom Petty.
2: Well, Tom was great in his day, but, you know, uh, he can still – well, he can't anymore, but he, listening to him, great voice, loved most of his music, but I like Kate's accent. She could talk to me any <laughs> night.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay, my man. Let's, uh, we got great guests again tonight with Sam Car-chisi, Carchidi, Kevin Riley, uh, who we have lined up next week to come to Philly Press Box Radio.
2: We have a first-timer joining us next week. With the Eagles at the front of everyone's mind these days, I reached out to a guy who's been covering the birds and pro football in general for a long time at the Daily News and now the Inquirer as well. He's covered some 30 Super Bowls, and he's also a Hall of Fame voting member, so keep that in mind. His name is Paul Domowich, and I'm sure, Bill, that, like me, you're looking forward to having Paul make his very first visit with us.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Read Paul's stuff all the time. He's good. All right, Chet, parting shot for you, sir. This
2: will shock you, Bill, but although I had several possible topics in mind a day or two ago, I never really acted on any of them, and today, after an office holiday party last night, I'm kind of drained. So no Chesco parting shot this week. If you want, we could talk for a minute or two about the Phillies' reacquisition of that all-star setup man, Pat Nishak, or we could sing a Christmas carol, but otherwise, I got nothing.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you what I do have a parting shot today, tonight, Jed, and it's calling out the embarrassing Philadelphia sports fans. That's right, I said it. What I saw, heard, and read Sunday night and Monday was an embarrassment to the sports fans that call themselves the best in the country. The Birds come off a huge win to reach 11 and two, clinch the NFC East, and the bandwagon fans are jumping off so quick they're hurting themselves. If it was if it was you. Hear me loud and clear. You are no Philly sports fan. You're a fraud. Get your stuff and go root for the Cowboys. Is Carson Wentz a really good player and a team leader? Absolutely. Are the others on the team pretty important to the team's success? Absolutely. Well, they're all still here and preparing for win number 12 and clinching the first round by this Sunday against the Giants. The real Eagles fans know the deal, but the bandwagon feels Fans, don't even breathe that what ifs about Carson Wentz and winning the Super Bowl. There are no excuses. There never was a guarantee anyway. Stay on the train moving forward and stop whining like a bunch of babies. You tell them, Bill, and besides,
2: we have Nick Foles at quarterback, so we're good, man.
0: That's right. That's right. It happens. As we went down the whole list of injuries, uh, Earlier in the show, as we started spouting them off, every team's got problems. Unfortunately, we lost our quarterback. So did did Green Bay. You play, you hang out there. And uh, if you're a fan, you know what? You suck it up and you root for your team and not cry like a bunch of whiners.
2: And you saw my story early in the week, too. Jeff Hosteller won a Super Bowl after coming in for Phil Simms when he got injured late in the season. Trent frickin' Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Come on, man. We can rally around Nick Foles. This
0: can happen. You betcha. All right, Chet. Well, we have reached the top of the hour. Let's thank our special guests, Sam Corchetti, Kevin Riley, Fred Hugo, Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, December 20th at 7 p.m. when Paul Domowicz joins us. You can listen to our website, com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and MixCloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Go Birds!
1: E-S-E-L-E-S-A-G-O!